Well, it's great to be back with you. It feels like I've been gone for like a month and a half. Because I have. You know, somebody's got to go to the Dominican Republic and, and help uh, Dr. Antet pull teeth. Somebody's got to go to the UP and make sure the mission trip's going on over there. And I got to visit my family in St. Louis, my grandkids. I feel like I've been gone. So if you are just like joining us, like and you haven't seen me around this place, that's the reason. But I do want to meet you. So if you're new to this place or newer to this place, please come and see me after the service. I'd love to, to say hello, especially if it's your first time today. I want to meet you. I want to give you this gift. For those of us that have been around uh, this place uh, and, and don't know about this card that's in front of you here, you just scan this, right? It's QR code. It'll tell you. It'll just give you one spot where you can know everything about our church, right? Uh, the events that are going on, let us know that you actually worship and that, that you're around this place. If you're watching online, it's a privilege to be uh, wherever you are, in the car or at home in your living room or a friend's house, wherever it is that you take time out of your day to hear God's word and, and to, to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And so uh, do that. It's even for those of uh, us that call this place our church home, it's a way that we can give right here. It's just all nice and easy for us. Isn't modern technology just awesome? really is. Great stuff. And so uh, as we start today, here's the question I, I want to have on your minds. It's a little kind of a tough uh, topic uh, that we have to take you through, but hopefully in the end you're going to hear some good things uh, uh, from me. But we don't start that way because the question is this, how many if-onlys have you had in your life? If-onlys. You know those ones, right? If only I listened to my parents, if only I didn't make that poor choice, if only I didn't cave in, right? If I had the power not to cave in to that, how many if-onlys do you have in your life if you count them up? Five? Ten? Twenty-five? A hundred? Well, if you're like me and you would have listened to your own God-given conscience, right, you stopped counting long ago. What happens when we think about those if-only moments in our lives, Right? What happens is we begin to have regret. Ah, I regret I did that or I regret I didn't do what I know I was supposed to do. Today I'm going to start a three-week uh, series with you. Uh, so I get to be with you for three weeks. Some of you are happy, some not. But I I'm, I'm excited to share this. Regrets, that's what we're talking about today. Realities and restoration. Three things that I think uh, will get us to into God's Word a little bit more and really to understand how we get to, to have a kind of a, a regret-free lifestyle based on what Scripture says to us. And so as I was looking online for a definition of regret, let's talk about it this way. It's a feeling of sadness. It could be repentance as well or disappointment over something that has happened or that's been done. Regret, if onlys. If only these things didn't happen, I'd be better, right? I'd be better off. If only I didn't do X, Y, Z, then it would be better now. If only. Two hard words that we say a lot of times. And I kind of broke them down into three categories, the if only categories. One are things that are shameful about us and they become public. Shameful and then become public. Um, about a month ago, I was... I don't know, I was driving somewhere, or I was in, in the house, whatever, but my daughter-in-law in St. Louis gives me this random text. Or maybe she, she put it in the family group chat, I can't remember. But it was like, oh, so in 1992, uh, you were caught speeding. 
on highway whatever. I'm like, what? How would anybody know that I was speaking? You know, she's got my son, of course. He's got this fancy thing where he can look up people's records, public records. I'm like, 1992? There's still a public record? And I can remember the day. I had my fiance in the car. We were pulling a boat behind my 1989 pickup truck. And I won't tell you how fast I was going, but it was over the speed limit. And I remember the, the state trooper pulling me over. You sure you have your glasses on? Like, because I have my contacts, you know, the A restriction or whatever. It's looking at me, I'm like, I was terrified. Things that become public, getting fired from your job, right? Legal problems, getting a divorce, whatever those are that you're shameful about, you regret it, they become public. Number two, things that we do purposefully or even unintentionally that might hurt someone or um, it just gives us regrets, right? We hurt ourselves. Car accidents, poor parenting choices, bad decisions. Yeah, I shouldn't have taken that last drink, took that pill, smoked that whatever, right? Che cheating, words, whatever it might be, right? These D leave deep regrets, don't they? Last category, regrets. Things you think you could have done to avoid a catastrophe in your life or someone else's life. I know that my wife and I, Jen, we've had experiences, at least her multiple times, me a couple, a couple uh, of people who have committed suicide, right? And you can be uh, afflicted with this like false sense of guilt sometimes. If only I had been there, made that call, done whatever, it could have been different. I could have saved that person's life. Maybe women that have been sexually violated, they feel the pain. If only, you know, if only I did this, screamed louder, right? Went with my friends, trusted my instinct, whatever it might be, that false sense of guilt, we carry around. And I use that word carry intentionally because if onlys can feel like weights on us. They can feel like 10-pound weights on our, on our wrist and on our, on our uh ankles, right, that, that, that it seems like everybody else in the, re the rest of the world around us is just going at a faster pace, but we feel this burden, this guilt, this weigh it down kind of thing, and we feel like it's going slower. Sometimes regrets, well, it's a natural thing where it's, oh, I messed up, I know I shouldn't have. That's a, that's a healthy kind of part of repentance, but sometimes when we carry it more than that, right, when we carry these regrets because we think we should, we think it's the right thing to do, that it's our duty before God. This is the way I lived my life from my teenage years through my young adult life, feeling like, man, I need to do these prayers or I need to do these good works to even out the things that, that, that I regret and I please God, right? Living with guilt, this daily burden, I thought that's what God wanted me to do, that I deserved it. Some might even think that that's a mindset of carrying these like in the forefront of our minds might help us protect us from, from, you know, future sins. Now, all those things sound spiritual, but that's not God's intention. Because it's the sweet forgiveness and grace and mercy of God given to us through Jesus that helps us fight these battles of sin and regret. Because here's the truth and here's the reality. The kingdom of God is regret-free. Amen? Jesus liberated us from that, from living under that cloud of past regrets. I mean, when Jesus says it is finished, would you trust him? It is finished. Past, present, and future sins forgiven on the cross. The debt has been paid. Praise God. Philippians chapter 3.13 says it this way, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, 
One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain on toward what is ahead for the, the goal that Christ Jesus has called me heavenward. That's what, what, what Paul is writing here. We don't have to live in the shadows of our past sins or problems because when we do that, when we want to wallow in our regret, well, it just wears on us emotionally and physically and certainly spiritually, and that not, that's not God's intention. His will for us is that we live regret free. So today we're going to talk about some real life biblical characters who kind of show us, given us example of how not to live with this theme of regret, but instead hope and restoration. So if you think about these Bible characters, think the guys like Abraham, right? The founder of like the, the three great religions, right? Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Abraham. Sure, Sarah, I'll sleep with your maidservant. That might be a good thing to, to have an heir, right? Why not? Isaac, his son, right, who did the same thing his dad did. He lied about uh, having his wife. No, that's not my wife. That's my sister. Compromising her, right, and, and not protecting her. Jacob, whose name means actually deceiver, steals his brother's birthright. Moses, who looks around, right? Nobody's watching me. I'm going to kill this man out of spite and revenge, right? They're killing the Egyptian. David, you know a lot about David, King David's life. We're going to explore a little bit about the rest of his life, but committing adultery and setting up a man to be killed on the battlefield. Peter, denying Jesus not one time, not two times, but how many? Three times. Paul, the Jewish zealous man who becomes a Christian killer. All these biblical characters, they all have the if-only moments in their life. They could have thrown their hands up and said, that's it, I can't do this, God. I'm not good enough for you, right? They could, have, they could have had that attitude, wallowed in their regret, but is that what they did? Open up your Bibles. 2 Samuel chapter 24. We're going to read what I would think uh, would be kind of a lesser known story in King David's life. You know the part where he sleeps with Bathsheba. He, he tries to send her husband. Uh, he doesn't try, but he does. Sends her, her husband on the battlefield, the front line, so that he's killed. But in this story... And I want you to listen to this. He's committed another sin that caused the death of 70,000. 70,000 Israelite people. 2 Samuel chapter uh, 24, verse, beginning in verse 2. Then the king, that's David, said to Joab, his commander, his leader of the armies, and the other commanders with him, go throughout the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and roll the fighting men so that I may know how many there are. Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times over. May the eyes of my Lord the king see it. But why does my Lord the king want to do such a thing? And notice David doesn't really answer him. The king's word, though, however, overruled Joab and the army commanders. So they left the presence of the king to enroll the fighting men of Israel. Skip to verse 9. Joab reports the number of these men in the Israel. There were 800,000 able-bodied men who could handle a sword in Judah, 500,000. In verse 10, David says he was conscience-stricken after he had counted the fighting men. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I've done a very foolish thing. So this prophet of God named Gad, he comes to David in verse 13. So Gad went to David, shall there come on you Three years of famine in your land, three months of fleeing from your enemies while they pursue you, three days of plague in your land. What do you want? One of those three. 
Now then, think it over and decide how I should answer the one who sent me. David said to, to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. Don't let me fall into human hands. And so the Lord sent a plague on Israel. From that morning until the end of the time designated, and 70,000 of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. When I read about this, this plague, right, I think of COVID. I don't know why, I just, okay, so skip to verse 11, or 17, rather, 17. When David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I've sinned, I, the shepherd, have done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and my family. On that day, Gad went to David and said to him, go up, build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arun of the Jebusite. In verse 25, verse 25, David builds this altar to the Lord and sacrifices burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And the Lord answers his prayer on behalf of the land. And the plague on Israel was stopped. Imagine David and his regret over this incident. Was, was, was he regretful? Absolutely. In verse 10, what's it say? He was conscience stricken. Now to us, can't really understand why counting fighting men is such a big deal, right? In the same way, we can't understand why God said, don't eat this fruit and do this fruit, right? God said. So if God said, God said. But David, his commander knew it was, it was wrong. David knew it was wrong. We can't see David's heart, but who can? God. And here's the consequence, right, for his sin. And it impacted so many. The regret that he had, right, the if-only moment in his life. I'm glad, really, that God allows us to see these biblical characters and not just their highlight reels, right? Not just the good things, but all the things in their life. Because we're going to see how God works. And I challenge you, right, when we see about David and some of these other guys, did they live in, in their regret? No. Psalm 103, written by David, gives thanks for his forgiveness. He writes this, the Lord, he's merciful, he's gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He won't always accuse or chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, thank God, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love toward those who fear him. As, many, as, as much regret as we have, guess what? His mercy and his grace is even higher than that. And I love this part. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sin, our transgressions from us. Yes. Not only does God do that, but he removes the guilt of our sin. Psalm 32 verse 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you, God. I didn't cover it up. I said, I will confess my sins unto the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. See, some of the most important Bible characters that we know of, they live not in the guilt or regrets, but in the true reality of hope and restoration and how God sees them. He has declared us to be righteous on, for Christ's sake. That Christ would go to the cross and do what he did, right? To be publicly shamed, flogged, sacrificed on the cross for us and for our sin and for our poor choices and our wrongs and our regrets. Man. I mean, when, when we fall, right, and when we fail, and that will happen. When our talents betray us, when our pride and our arrogance gets in the way, right? When we get into trouble, when we blow it. 
we hurt ourselves, right? We speak these words to one another and we hurt each other. God's grace comes to us in so many different ways. Coming here to hear it in church from a friend, from a song, whatever it is, God doesn't want us to stay in that guilt and that regret. He doesn't ever say he wants to punish us. I don't read it in the Bible with the weight of regret. No, that's not God. That's not what he's done because his son carried those sins to the cross. And Jesus himself, he tells us, this is how I want you to live. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come, come, come you who are wearied and burdened with regrets, I'll give you rest. Why or how? Because you're going to take my yoke upon you and learn from me, I'm gentle and humble, and here's the promise, you're going to find rest in Jesus for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is is light. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us. Thank you that we don't have to live in the past. We can look ahead to the, to the future because remember I read from Philippians 3, you know, it was written by Paul, right? Paul, who, who was such a zealous Jew that, that the Bible says he watched approvingly to the first Christian martyr, Stephen. He was right there watching that. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 7 and Acts 26 that he drug Christians out and put them in prison and put them to death. He of all people, right, had every reason to wallow in this regret and self-hate, but he didn't. What did he say in, in Philippians 3.13? Forgetting what is behind. It means don't emphasize that. Don't dwell on it. No, strain that takes intentionality to what's ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul lives with this theme of restoration and not regret he fixes his eyes on jesus who's the author and perfecter of our faith i love this when i was going through the series of messages uh, uh found this online that it's a truth i can't remember where i got it but i love it it says if god has saved you out of a sewer don't dive back in and swim around i mean truly if sin's been confessed right and it's been repented of and it's been forgiven don't jump back in remember that god has taken care of it we're new creatures in him. 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of my favorite, therefore, is anyone is in Christ, he's a new what? New what? The old is gone, the new has come. That's the truth. Are you in Christ today? Yeah, you're a baptized child of God. Yes, you believe in him. You're in Christ. So guess what? You're a new creation. The old is gone, but part of that old, it wants to stay with us. It wants to burden us. It wants to weigh us down. And God say, no, don't live like that. It's pointless, right? It's counter to, to what he has given us. He wants an abundant life for us. So instead of regrets, there's hope, there's rescue, there's restoration. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week and the following week. But before I close today, I want to give you like six things. It's in the back of your bulletin or in your bulletin. And I call them kind of Holy Spirit gifts. Holy Spirit gifts that would help with repentance. So what do we do after we sin, right? When we feel guilty and we have that regret, when a follower of Jesus experiences guilt, they know they've done something wrong or they didn't do something that they, sh they should have, we can do these things, okay? Number one, confess. Confess all known previously, unconfessed sin, right? Because in some cases we have these feelings of guilt and they're appropriate, because when we feel guilty, it's probably because we are, right? 
But we, not, we haven't apologized to the Lord or the person that we've sinned against. And so I remember when my kids were, were growing up, they were all young. We would just sit around the, the table and said, this is how we're going to memorize the scripture. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. Wash away my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my sin is always before you. Psalm 51 is a great, great thing to speak back to God. Number two, ask the Lord to reveal any other sin that's on your heart that you might need to confess. Have the courage to just go, right? Get in the closet, shut the closet door, get in the car, put on some music, just scream out to him, search me, oh God. Know my heart, my anxious heart, test me. See if there's any offensive way in me and, and lead me to a way that's everlasting. Psalm 139. Number three, seek to make restitution where, where and let's listen here, it takes some wisdom and discernment, where it's possible. With sins committed against one another. Zacchaeus said it this way in Luke chapter 19. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist says, Do the fruit in keeping with repentance, he says, to the Pharisees and Sadducees. Number four, trust the promise of God. Trust it. When he says it is finished, it is finished. Trust that he will forgive sins. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, what is he? He's faithful and just. And what's he going to do? And what else? Purify us from all unrighteousness. If you guys don't remember that, I want you to say it loud, right? <laughs> I, I stop and then you just finish, okay? We'll get better at that maybe next week. Uh, number five, right? Well, back to four, Sorry. Here it is, don't, don't, let it, don't let regret hold you back, right? Because God has a future and a hope for you. So just keep trusting. Number five, read God's word. And when we read God's word, we reject those guilty feelings when the regret arises. That's what we do. The sin's already been confessed. And so here's the promise of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now, now, right now, today, stand right, no, today, no condemnation. None. For you who are in Christ Jesus, I ask you, are you in Christ Jesus? Some of you said yes. Are you in Christ Jesus? Yes, yes it's better already. Then there's no condemnation. Nothing's going to separate us between God's love. But what's the word in Romans 8? Nothing will separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. Lastly, number six, pray and ask the Lord to rebuke Satan. Satan's alive and he's well. He doesn't know he's lost. But Satan's name means accuser, and he's going to constantly come to you. You're accused. You're not good enough. You got to live in that guilt, man. Feel more guilty. Shouldn't do this. Who do you think you are? Preaching God's word up here. Who are you? I'm a baptized child of God. In the name of Jesus, get what? Get behind me. Get behind me. You know, we think, I mean, look, I have my regrets, right? You have yours. But the believers that follow Jesus, right? We look to God's word. We look to one another. When we have these regrets, his mercies are stockpiled even higher. Forgiveness of all our sins, the Bible says. Regrets, really, they don't have a place in God's kingdom. 
It is regret-free. As I mentioned, this is the first part of our series, right? We got two more. One is next week talking about the realities of living in this sinful world and what God promises. And the week after that, we'll talk about how we kind of live with the restoration of that. Looking forward to, to have you listening in person or online. You remember our affirmation of faith that we, uh, we spoke? I'm going to read one line of that, one verse. It's verse 16. For that very reason, and let me remind you the reason because it was in the previous verse. For that very reason that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. For that very reason, I was shown what? I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display his unlimited patience. Can you imagine Paul writing this? I was shown mercy. Why? As an example for those who would believe on him. All of you who are in Christ Jesus are an example. You're alive today to be an example. Look, man, I was shown mercy. God wants me to say, forget that past. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Forgot to pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word that changes our hearts. Thank you that your word points us to Jesus, our Savior. Help us to live in that truth of what was spoken and what was read. Because we're your children. So give us that courage through the Holy Spirit to be bold and living for you. And all God's people say,